Hey, it's Tom. Welcome back to the Cannon Boomers podcast. We've been away for a few weeks. We're back this week with a very interesting guest, Andrew Groover of Tweedle Farms in Oregon. Tweedle Farms grows high CBD cultivars of hemp slash cannabis. You may ask, why would you want the non-psychoactive CBD cannabinoid in your cannabis? And the answer is there's a lot of people interested in this. They're shipping to about 47 states. And it's a very interesting episode. We dive into the dosing, how to get the correct dose of CBD when you're vaping or smoking, uh, some of the other minor cannabinoids, including CBG, and uh, many other aspects of this. So I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, remember to look us up at cannaboomers with a K.com. And uh, if you have a chance, please stop at Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a review because we're trying to expand our audience. Uh, there's a lot of education to be done. As you'll hear in this episode, there's lots to learn. So have a listen and share it with your friends. Thanks. This is Let's Talk About Weed, the Cannaboomers podcast, CBD, microdosing, and all things related to medical cannabis for baby boomers. From San Diego, here's your host, Thomas J. Welcome back to the Cannaboomers podcast. Today we have Andrew Groover, Chief Operations Officer of Tweedle Farms up in Oregon. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing really well. Great to be here. Thanks for being with us. You guys have the premier family-owned hemp farm specializing in farm-to-table terpene-rich high CBD hemp flour. Yes, we do indeed, or at least we like to think that we do, certainly. Let's just dive straight in. Uh, we don't do a lot of chit-chat up front on the show. We just kind of get into it. So a few years ago, nobody knew what CBD is, and now it seems to be everywhere. Uh, there's CBD balms and tinctures and capsules and shampoo and everything. You guys specialize in the raw flour. How did you find the market for that? Well, interestingly, well, I so to, to begin, we all come from the cannabis space. Um, you know, I've I, come from, you know, just the, the growing side of cannabis. And I worked at dispensaries in California for many years. And uh, the founders of Tweedle Farms, James and Jason, both did the same thing. They come, you know, James comes from the medical cannabis space. Jason has background in, um, you know, investment and retail, lots of different things. But, you know, we all kind of share a general background in cannabis. And they actually their goal with Tweedle Farms was to start a recreational cannabis grow after Oregon legalized it. Um, and because of zoning issues at their property in Vernonia, they were unable to actually get the recreational cannabis license. So they tried their hand at hemp. They ended up with about 400 pounds of hemp flour that they weren't really sure what to do with. And one of their friends happened to start selling it on the internet, actually over eBay. And once they realized what he was doing, they just, you know, they just threw up a site on Shopify just kind of as a test. And I believe within the first few hours, they had sold about 10 ounces of flour, which was pretty amazing. And it just so happened that one of the first people that purchased their flour was um you know the name is escaping me right now but he's a he's a reviewer of high cbd hemp flour so right off the bat they were able to tap into that online community of hemp flour reviewers and from there kind of just took off you know and we tweedle farm just happened to be the f one of the first to market and especially uh one of the first farm to table sites 
that was a that that um could be found on the internet whereas at that time a lot of the other people selling hemp flour were simply brokers who were selling through through a website as opposed to Tweedle Farms which was actually like the farmer themselves growing their growing flour and then selling their flour on the internet now was this a couple years ago um when did this yeah yeah so that was the 20 2016 was the first growing season and then um you know 2017 was spent you know fit the like the plants went into the ground in 2016 2017 everything was finished they weren't really sure what to do with it and then the site actually went live at the end of february 2018. you ship all around the country we do ship all around the country we no longer ship to louisiana they just passed a law against hemp flower we also do not ship to South Dakota or Idaho. So you mentioned a, like a CBD flower community. I didn't even know that existed, but apparently there are some enthusiasts out there. There are a lot of enthusiasts. You know, there's, um, I mean, Reddit is a huge internet forum for any manner of things, but there's a really just very dedicated community of uh, hemp flower connoisseurs on Reddit. And one of the founders, Jason, was very active on Reddit, and that actually is what helped garner a lot of our initial support was his um, his activity in the hemp flower communities on Reddit. So that coupled with the fact that we just happened to have one of our first purchases be from a flower reviewer when hardly anyone else was doing that, um, those are those are some of the things that really catapulted our original customer base yeah you found your tribe really quickly exactly yeah and it was just you know it was all by chance i mean it, everything was really by chance we just have we just happened to start the website um and even the way that i got involved with the company was kind of by chance because uh jason is actually he's been a friend of mine for about 10 years and he's been a really close friend of my wife's and he called her for some social media advice and I could hear her conversation and I was like, no, 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 what you're, what you're saying is wrong. And she was like, all right, all right, Andrew wants to talk to you. And she passed the phone to me and I was like, listen, man, this is what you got to do. You got to do this and this, don't do this. And he was like, oh, that's really interesting. So then he kind of would start, he started calling me for advice here and there, which I thought was fun. And then um, a few months later, he was like, listen, man, like I, I was thinking about taking an extended vacation would you be interested in coming up and doing this full time, moving to Portland? And I was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So, Sweet. Yeah, it just all kind of happened. You say you guys came from the cannabis space, so you have an, appreci an appreciation for THC and the entourage effect and all that stuff. Tell me about the consumers of your product and, and what they're looking for as opposed to sort of a, a traditional cannabis consumer. Well, right off the bat, um, I just, I just want to say that it, it was kind of a – Without really, without really telling the founders, it's always been a bit of a crusade of mine with Tweedle Farms to really abolish the lines between um, what people consider marijuana, which I honestly don't even like to use that term. I use the term cannabis, but just um, to illustrate this fact, like uh, the, the difference between marijuana and hemp, right? Uh, to me, there is no difference. It's all cannabis. There are just different types of cannabis. Some are high in THC and some are high in CBD. And so a lot of our customers, while people are coming to us to um, remedy specific medical issues, because that, that is a lot of what I hear about, you know, a lot of people are doing their due diligence and they're researching 
cannabinoids and uh, learning about what cannabinoids and what terpenes can help certain conditions and how they work together and the entourage effect. A lot of people are doing their own research, right? But there's a pretty incredible amount of people who also simply miss smoking weed. You know, mm-hmm. as, as life goes on, I don't know if you've experienced this, but, um, you know, I have a two-year-old. I certainly went through a time where I was like, I'm not I'm not sure how much weed I can continue to smoke. You know, I, I grew up smoking, uh, you know, high THC flour all day, every day that no longer works for me. I wait till my kid goes to bed now. Um, but a lot of people are at the point where they can't smoke THC flour at all. And so when they discovered this high CBD flour that is high in terpenes, looks nice, and they can actually have that old ritualistic experience of pulling some delicious smelling flour out of a bag, breaking it up, rolling a joint and sitting down with a friend and like sharing a joint while they unwind from their day. seems like a lot of people were really missing that. And they're very thankful to be able to do it again with something that isn't going to give them a panic attack, frankly. Right. There's a lot of ritual to it. There's the aesthetic, the, the taste, the flavor. Exactly. Exactly. I hesitate to say this, but would you compare it to like a non-alcoholic beer? Yeah, that's an interesting way of stating it. Um, I sort of would. I might, I might actually make the comparison to like, I don't know, do you know what White Claw is? You know, those alcoholic seltzers? Oh yeah, those are huge now. (laughs) They're huge right now. And it's, and you know, it's actually interesting. I've recently started drinking White Claw because I, I just, I'm trying to cut out the beer. I'm trying to be healthier. And so for me, I would almost make that comparison because anyone who says that CBD is completely non-psychoactive, I don't know that they're necessarily looking deep enough into it because I, or, or really it depends on how you define psychoactivity because I, you know, everyone has their own experience, but I do experience effects when I smoke high CBD flour or take a high potency CBD tincture or eat an edible. So to me, it's not that it's not psychoactive. It's more that it's not making me, you know, it's not launching me into the stratosphere like a lot of this high THC flower that is currently in the medical and recreational market would. Right. Anybody who takes CBD can tell you it can have a a relaxing effect. It can relieve anxiety. But I don't know if intoxication is the right word to use when you have some THC, but as you say, you're not going to have a panic attack. You're not going to be too stoned to answer the phone or whatever. <laughs> right, exactly. But at the same time, that is that is a, you know, it you are experiencing some form of a mental shift, at least in my eyes. I don't know if you agree with me on that one, but that's how I look at it. Yeah, I, I don't think I've really used a high CBD flower. I'm going to have to get on your site and order some, but there is something to the ritual of it. And certainly with capsules and tinctures, I've slept better. I've vaped CBD and there can be a noticeable effect, um, you know, immediately when you, when you use it that way. Without a doubt. Yeah. I feel the same way. And so, and, and that's, and that's why I'm making the comparison between <laughs> the, the white clot of beer comparison, right? Cause if you, I, if you drink a really strong beer, you'll feel those strong effects pretty, pretty quickly. Whereas I don't know if you drink white claws, but you, you can drink one and it's, it's basically similar to drinking a soda water with like a very, very vague relaxation. So that that's why I make that comparison. It's probably going to sound pretty silly 
to your listeners, but I, <laughs> I, I, had, I had to say it. <laughs> sure. So there are people who, and we know that CBD has a lot of, we can't say it, we can't make health claims, but people no. are using it for things like epilepsy, things like maybe Alzheimer's, cancer. There's a lot of conditions for which people are using this. Is smoking or vaping a, a good way to get that medicine into you? I think so. You know, um, I mean, it's it's an acute way to get it into you, right? Because the effects from smoking or vaping, they, the onset is almost immediate. Whereas with ingestion, it can, you know, take up to two hours to really set in. And there's minimal processing. Yeah, exactly. That That is the extent of the processing. You know, we we dry it, take off the big leaves, bucket off the stems, and cure it, and then clean it up a little bit, throw it in a bag, and send it to your front door. You have a lot of varieties on, on your site. Is there a favorite that people have? Yeah, there are some definite favorites. I think there's a bit more to why they are favorites. Um, there's one strain called Remedy that is a definite favorite. Uh, but to me, it seems like it's everyone's favorite because we only had so little of it that so few people got to try it. And the the reviews were so awesome um, that it, it, it kind of seems like it's everyone's favorite possibly. Uh, and and it, it might not actually make sense that it's everyone's favorite. It just so happens that um, at that time when we had that strain, it was one of the best looking CBD flowers that you could find on the internet. We only had a few pounds of it. So probably 200 people tried it and then have since talked about it constantly. Um, there's also ACDC is a favorite. And I, I honestly feel that ACDC is a favorite amongst our customers and on the internet in general, because it is one of the only high CBD strains that you can look up on Leafly. Do you see this as a growing trend will, where it will be on Leafly and weed maps and people will be getting it from their dispensaries? Well, so that's the thing about ACDC, right? You can get ACDC at dispensaries. It's a very well-documented high CBD strain. So I think okay. that's, that's what contributes to a lot of its popularity. Now, hemp flower, you likely, I mean, at this point, it's not no hemp flowers in dispensaries, although cannabis flower that technically has the correct ratio to be considered hemp flower will sometimes show up in dispensaries. But the strains that we grow from uh, certified hemp breeders like Oregon CBD, those strains will likely not be in dispensaries for quite a while. Although um, in the state of Oregon, a bill was recently passed that would allow ODA, Oregon Department of Agriculture, certified flowers, which is hemp, to go into OLCC, the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, um, certified spaces, which are dispensaries. Because in, in Oregon, the OLCC is who governs the uh, recreational cannabis sector, right? So th there is a point going forward where hemp-derived CBD products and hemp flour will likely be in Oregon dispensaries. But I don't know. I, I mean, you're in, you're in California, correct? Correct. Yeah, I don't see hemp products or hemp flour being in California dispensaries anytime soon. Um, before the shift to recreational at the dispensary I worked at, we were carrying hemp-derived CBD products. But as soon as recreational went into place, we had to discontinue those because it's a, hemp is not tracked by uh, metric like recreational cannabis. So I see some of the cultivars or strains you have 
are denoted as CBDA. What's that distinction about? It's just the majority of what is contained in 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 the plants. You know, that's when you do a lab test on a on a strain. It's, it, it'll usually come back like it's how it's how recreational cannabis dispensaries list cannabinoid content because when you do a lab test, it's a uh, most labs use an HPLC testing system, so it's it's a non-decarboxylated or cold test. So the cannabinoids aren't heated up. So in the like certified batch tested lab results, you're seeing the acidic form of cannabinoids exhibited rather than um, the decarboxylated form. There's some pretty high percentages there that I'm seeing 18.46, uh, 17%, 16%. So people are getting a good amount of CBD. Yeah, you know, um, I mean the eighteen point four six, right? That's that's one hundred and eighty four point six milligrams of CBDA per gram. So okay. that's a, you know, to I mean, to me, if you if you think about the cost of a of a tincture, you know, the flower ends up being quite a bit more economical if you think about how much one gram of flour contains versus, say, a bottle of tincture. So let's talk about that. How can you dose this per puff or how do you know how much CBD you're getting? So the rate of decarboxylation is um, 87.7%, right? So if you take, I don't have a calculator in front of me, but um, so, you know, let's say that lifter is 18.46%. For, for the sake of argument, let's say it's 185 milligrams of cannabinoids or of CBDA per gram. So 87.7% of that, I, I mean, I'm, I can't do that math in my head, but I think it would end up being around between 150 and 160 milligrams of decarboxylated CBD. And then, so that means that if you break your gram up into 10 little tiny, like snaps out of a, or like, you know, little tiny bowls out of a pipe or a bong or something, then that each one of those bowls that you smoked would provide you with about 15 milligrams of CBD, which is usually what you will find, you know, in a gummy, you might find like 10 to 25 milligrams in a single gummy. All right. So yeah, you break it down to a bowl or a one hit or something, and you're comparable to what you'd get in a capsule, basically. Um, yeah, exactly. But the onset is much quicker. And there, there's no fillers, there's no processing of it. It's, as you say, farm to table, farm, yeah. to, farm to lung. Yep, exactly. I noticed on your homepage, I thought I saw a mention of CBG. Yeah. So you guys are looking at that too. That's kind of the hot new cannabinoid. Yeah, it does seem like it's the hot new cannabinoid, doesn't it? You guys are into the plant genetics, so you, you can isolate a plant and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to run with this and produce X amount of this cannabinoid blows my mind a little. Yeah, I'm so we're we're not breeders though. We are just growers. Um, okay. The CBG strain that we're growing this year was bred by Oregon CBD, who breeds some of the best strains in the industry, as well as a lot of the industry's favorite strains, as well as many of the strains that we sell: Lifter, Suver Haze, Hawaiian Haze, Electra, Special Sauce, and Sour Space Candy. I believe that is their that is their product offering in entirety, 
and they also are moving into these minor cannabinoid focused strains such as uh pure cbg strain which i'm personally very very excited about and then uh there is talk of possible other minor cannabinoid focused strains coming out in future years i've i've heard tell of a pure cbc strain coming out in the future so that one is very exciting to me as well and off the top of my head, I'm not even sure what the characteristics of those strains are. But for enthusiasts and, and consumers who are paying attention, you can really dial in what you want out of the plant. Yeah, exactly. They breed genetics to really exhibit beautiful flowers. Um, the CBC strain, I'm not actually sure why you would smoke CBC, CBC seems to me to be something that would be super beneficial as a topical. I'm, I'm always hesitant to speak about the exact medical benefits of cannabinoids just as a representative of our, of our company, you know, a company that's not approved by the FDA. But I encourage you and your listeners to read about CBC. There's been some very interesting research done. Also, very worthwhile to read about CBG. That's, there's some really, really pretty mind-blowing research on that cannabinoid so um that one that one will be great for smoking though and i i intend to smoke that flower and i actually hope to do other smoking related things with it like perhaps you know we we are looking into developing a possible cbg vape pen and we're actually about to release high cbg tinctures coming up in the next couple of weeks we're actually already already have those made so pretty exciting stuff there CBG, one thing I know, it, it is, uh, uh, it, it will increase your appetite, right? I believe so. Yeah. I have read research that says that. Do you know what else it's supposed to do? Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to advocate for the medical benefits of CBG. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been shown to in test to be an antibacterial substance. Mm-hmm. It's also shown to offer, really potent anti-anxiety relief with almost no perceptible psychoactivity whatsoever. I can see why people would want that. Yeah. And I'm, and there's, there's a bunch more, frankly, um, without having the studies in front of me, you know, I, I, I am just generally hesitant to ever talk about medical benefits with cannabinoids, but especially with CBG and without having the studies in front of me, those are the two, those are the two that, immediately come to mind that those those are the two aspects that I always think about when I first think about CBG. There are a few other things though. And um, we do have a blog post on the front page of our site that links to some great articles. So those might be worth checking out, but also just even a really basic search on Google will yield some really interesting uh, peer-reviewed scholarly journal articles about CBG. You mentioned vaping. You guys make vape pens. And uh, have you noticed the preference among your customers between smoking and vaping? Yeah, we do. We do make vape pens. Um, our current our current vape pens, are they're super nice. They're made with cannabis-derived terpenes. Um, we are actually about to release a new batch that should be even better. Our, cause our current cannabinoid content is at 65%. And we're about to release a batch that's closer to 90%. So I'm very excited about that. Um, we're, we're just a few weeks away from that. Um, as far as preference, you know, our customers, just because we are known as a flower company, 
our customers have been a little hesitant to make the shift because a lot of them just, you know, they love flour. That's, that's why they come to Tweedle Farm. They might go somewhere else for their vape products. But um, not many companies use cannabis-derived terpenes, so I think we've been able to win over uh, some hearts and minds with that aspect. And um, a lot of people express that it's, you know, it's really simple to use a vape pen. It's great for on the go. It's great for, you know, medicating when you're not necessarily in a place where you can light up a joint or something. There's dry herb vaporizers too, where you don't incinerate the the flower, but you heat it. Exactly. Yeah. How about edibles? Are people using it in edibles at all that you know of? Yeah, a lot of people because we sell we sell shake and smalls as well as just the full flower. And I know a lot of people who like you know really swear by our shake and smalls because they make their own edibles or topicals with those products. So I I know that that's something people do, and we also get requests all the time to start carrying edibles on our site. Which at this point, because of the way the FDA looks at uh, the addition of cannabinoids to unregulated food products, we've been really hesitant to get into edibles. We are going to release tinctures, you know, and we, we're going to release capsules as well. But when it comes to actual edibles, like a, like a gummy or something, I get, yeah, I don't know. We're all pretty hesitant on that one. I'm not, not super sure how we feel about that. Right. Well, as you said, I mean, you, you, your expertise is in growing and maybe not necessarily in, in manufacturing edibles. When you guys know how to grow the flower to get a high percentage of CBD, that's a very valuable asset right there. Definitely. You're in Oregon, which I think everyone knows has kind of a surplus of cannabis right now, right? Yeah, definitely. Other states are one by one learning some of the mistakes on the way to legalization, but it seems like there it was done in a way where at least you didn't end up with a shortage. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, a surplus, a surplus is almost just as bad as a shortage, um, but in a very different way. Uh, I mean, really, to me, Colorado is one of the only states who has gotten the legislation right. You know, I'm from the, I come from California, I come from the, the California cannabis industry, and I don't think California got it right either because the the costs for entry were so high that from my perspective the industry was basically taken over by those with very deep pockets and um, all of the small boutique farmers either were pushed out or are currently being pushed out and interestingly on the other end you have Oregon where it was so easy to get a license that everyone got a license everyone grew flour the price bottomed out at, you know, $150 for a pound of indoor, which is just staggering. And as a result, now same thing, same thing is happening in Oregon that happened in California, where a lot of the small boutique producers were forced out of the market because, you know, no one can sell indoor for $150, $200 a pound. That doesn't even make sense. It, it costs twice as much as that to produce a pound of indoor. So too much supply. But I mean, the, the great thing for you guys is you're kind of on the outside of that with a, with a niche product that you can sell across state lines. TJ, did I lose you? Can you hear me? I'm still here. TJ, I think I lost you. I can't hear you right now. 
Hey, friends of Cannaboomers, this is Danny, the producer. Interesting thing happened here. These guys lost their connection. Yep, Tom and Andrew lost connection as they were recording this. But they're smart, and they figured it out. And here we go with the second half. That was the first uh, some technical hiccups on the Cannaboomers podcast, but uh, fortunately, we found another platform, and uh, we're back with Andrew of Tweedle Farms. I was just saying, I think that it's fortunate that you guys found a niche there where you can ship to like 47 of the 50 states and uh, not have to worry about too much competition, I guess. Well, and that's the interesting thing. It's, and it's something that I see, I've been seeing over and over and over is that, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my friends from the cannabis industry in California are now calling me to consult about getting into the hemp industry, which has been really interesting. Um, and the same thing's happening in Oregon. A lot of people who have, you know, been quote unquote doing cannabis their whole lives are now shifting focus to the hemp industry because it's, you know, the barriers to entry are much less, you know, the cost is much less. There's no caps on how many plants you can have. You know, I, uh, I had to drive to Southern Oregon last weekend and I drove past a 1200 acre hemp field, which if you've ever seen 1200 acres of cannabis plants, you know, it's a pretty amazing site. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Pretty incredible stuff. So, um, yeah, it's an amazing thing. I think it's a really incredible time to be in the industry. It's still a little bit of the, it's a little bit like kind of wild west vibe. But at the same time, there's so many people that are involved in the industry that are trying to do it in the most upstanding way possible that um, I think it's very easy to connect with very respectable, trustworthy hemp folks. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm seeing certification bodies pop up. There's some CBD manufacturers that now are touting that they're U.S. Hemp Authority certified and yep. other other hemp uh, organizations. Now, earlier in the conversation, you said, you know, to me, it's all cannabis. It's, you know, it's all the same plant. I don't know if the term industrial hemp is still used, but that's how CBD was typified a couple of years ago that, you know, there was always this effort to kind of distance it from the cannabis that gets you high. Would you say that the stuff you guys are, are growing is quote unquote industrial? And when I think of that, I think, well, rope, textiles, hempcrete, all the things you can do with this versatile plant. I don't think of it as industrial hemp. I actually get that question a lot because um, we don't, you know, we don't grow industrial hemp. We have eight acres. It's like if we were growing it as industrial hemp, we would not be making very much hempcrete from our crop. <laughs> you know, um, We are decidedly boutique, small batch hemp flower. That, that's what we do. You know, even though we have 14,000 plants, really in the grand scheme, eight acres, 14,000 plants is a very small amount of hemp flower. Um, and also, yeah, we grow, you know, we're growing it for flower. We're harvesting by hand, hanging by hand, bucking by hand. Um, you know, we're not trimming it by hand. We do run it through trim machines, but we do use, I don't know if you're familiar with the company Green Bros, but they make an amazing trim machine that does a great job. It's super, um, it's very soft on the flowers. It's, um, it, it treats them right, if you will, and really doesn't give them that machine trimmed look. They, they end up looking great. They do need a little cleanup after the fact, but really, um, 
you know, we are, we are growing boutique hemp flour, not industrial hemp. Industrial hemp, to me, I, I think of it the same way that you do. It's, you know, if you're growing it for textile manufacturing, by all means, that is industrial hemp. And in that case, you'd be using the stalk and the leaves, and you wouldn't be much concerned with how much flour you had. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, is like the, when you're growing it for flour, the stalks, my understanding is that they don't reach the density that you really need to, uh, that, that you would need for them to reach in order to process them into industrial products like hempcrete. Well, let me ask you, when you make a tincture uh, from a predominantly flower-grown cultivar, is that tincture going to be qualitatively different than uh, an industrial hemp plant? Um, I would say so. Uh, an industrial, I mean, an industrial hemp plant, that, that's a tough one because, you know, when the, a lot of these crops that are grown for biomass, right, they're, they're being harvested with a combine mm-hmm. and then the, the byproduct is being baled and then extracted. So you are actually getting, in, in a lot of cases, it's the whole plant being used to make these extracts. Whereas, yeah, tincture, a lot of the tinctures that we see on the market, like, well, especially the full spectrum tinctures are made primarily from most likely, most likely untrimmed flour. I'd say probably machine trimmed flour at best, but most likely untrimmed flour. Um, Because really when it comes down to it, the leaves, they're, they're not taking away from the overall effect. If anything, they're adding to it with, um, you know, extra, extra chemicals that you might not find in such high concentrations in the flour itself, proteins, fats, lipids. The resins are going to be concentrated in, in the flour. Yeah, of, of course. But the, but I think there's, there's beneficial compounds in every, every piece of the cannabis plant. Do you think you want to stay as a boutique farm or do you guys have bigger plans? I'd like to stay as a boutique farm. I mean, that, that's always, you know, I think that's going to be our focus. I hope we get to stay with flour for a long time. Um, to me, it seems like the powers that be really, when it comes down to it, don't want people quote unquote smoking weed, you know, cause really that's a lot of states are trying to pass laws against hemp flour because you know, simply from a regulatory standpoint, it's difficult to differentiate between high THC cannabis and high CBD cannabis. So, it's, you know, a lot of lawmakers are looking at hemp flour and they're saying like, this is making our law enforcement officials jobs more difficult because, you know, they might find someone with a pound of flour in their car and arrest them, but then it gets tested and it turns out it's hemp flour. So then we just clogged up our justice system even more than it already is clogged up. So um, I hope flour stays in this space that it currently occupies. I'm not 100% sure that it will. And as a result, we are pivoting to different products. I mean, that's not the only reason we are. It's also just great to offer a wide variety of things, right? So that people can ingest CBD in any way that they like. But I also think it it is worth noting that um, flour may not be around forever. I certainly hope it is. And there are certainly lobbying efforts to make sure that it is. But that's just, yeah, that's just my perspective. And there's a lot of education that has to be done. I mean, we've, we've talked about this 
for the last 40, 50 minutes, but there's a lot of people who have no idea that they're, that you can even find CBD flower. Um, exactly. I mean, that's every day I get, you know, a wealth of emails saying, I had no idea this even existed. And that's the best thing ever. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can help you get the word out. I hope so too. In your perspective, what's the most exciting thing happening in cannabis right now? Well, minor cannabinoids. That is the coolest thing in the world. It is mm -hmm. so amazing to me that people are really, you know, they're, I mean, it, it was, it was a revelation for people to expand their minds beyond THC, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to start including CBD and, and having that be a, a new focus of cannabis was amazing. And now the fact that people are starting to think about like, wow, what about CBN? What about CBG? Well, what about CBC? And what about CBL? And what about CBT? And, you know, it's like it, it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And it just gets more and more interesting every time, you know, um, as, as cannabis becomes more appreciated and more, and more legal around the country, we're going to see more peer reviewed studies done. And the more scientists study this amazing plant, the more they understand that there are in just an incredible amount of beneficial compounds in it. And, you know, I just, I just can't wait to see what happens in this industry. I think it's just going to get more and more focused as time goes on. And I mean, who knows what advances are going to come out of this plant that, you know, you and I have known is incredible for many, many years, but I'm, I'm excited that the rest of the country and the rest of the world is getting to know it as well. Right. I mean, there's a whole pharmacopoeia in there and it's, there is. it may replace everything in your medicine cabinet. And, you know, there are, there are vested interests who don't want that to happen. And, uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see. And, and of course, as, as you've referenced, the wheels of, of our political system grind very, very slowly. You know, people are bought off. They need to be enlightened. And uh, things don't happen as fast as we all want them to. But in the meantime, you know, we can medicate. We can learn. We can educate ourselves and find out more about what's happening. Exactly. Another question I'd like to ask is, do you see the stigma around cannabis abating? The wave of legalization, um, I don't know that it's crested yet. We're at, I think, 32 states for medical use and, and 12 states for, quote unquote, recreational use. It's slow, but do you see the stigma kind of fading away? I do. And I think that is one of the reasons why so many states are rushing to get anti-hemp flower legislation on the books. because. I mean, from a lawmaker's perspective and someone who doesn't want their citizens um, smoking cannabis or using cannabis at all, uh, to them, I think it's quite clear that something as accessible as, you know, a quote, non-psychoactive cannabinoid like CBD, something that's that accessible, it, it's only a simple hop skip from CBD to THC, right? Mm -hmm. Because someone who has never even thought about smoking weed. I hear from these people all the time, by the way, someone who says I've never smoked weed my entire life, never thought I would never had any interest in it, never even gave it a second thought. And all of a sudden a friend of mine showed me your flower. And now I actually find myself purchasing flour from you. What do I do with it? Do you sell rolling papers? Where can I get a pipe? How, how many puffs do I take? You know, those kinds of questions. Mm -hmm. Those people 
who never even gave it a second thought or maybe even had their own stigmas around it, now they're smoking CBD flower. Well, what if they live in a state that goes, that has a medical program and all of a sudden they're smoking a one-to-one CBD to THC flower next year? And then the year after that, they're like, maybe I'll just try a full THC flower. And then, you know, then it just keeps snowballing forward. So I, I think... I think to, to me, it's really clear that um, lawmakers are afraid that uh, that the, the population of the United States is going to turn into a bunch of weed smokers. Mm-hmm. But that could just be my that could be a conspiracy theory. I, I acknowledge that. Um, but I, yeah, long long story short, yes, I do see the stigma abating. One hundred. Well, you know, there's conspiracy theories on both sides too. I mean, what if what if people made it a habit to every day take a little bit of CBD and you know, it was a, it was, it's a neuroprotectant and over the years it protected you from things like cancer and Alzheimer's and heart disease and inflammatory diseases that, that get us all as we age, you know, what if, (laughs) yes, what, what would happen to our pharmaceutical industry if everyone did that? What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. And, uh, Again, the fact that you guys have an organic substance that pretty much untreated, it's just cured and sent to my doorstep and I can do what I want with it. I, I could vape yeah. it in a dry vaporizer and I don't have to inhale any smoke or I could make it into a, a butter and put it on my toast or if I want to do one hit a day and feel good about myself and not get stoned, that's fine too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting thing. It's a very interesting thing to think about. You can ponder on that one for quite a while. Well, Andrew, I want to thank you for elucidating us on this topic. There's so much there, and uh, it's been very interesting. Where can we find you online? Tweedlefarms.com. we got a lot of cool things coming up. We are, you know, we're still a pretty small team, but we are trying to start building out our blog and just offer as many educational resources as possible. And, uh, you know, if you ever want to get in touch with us, or, or rather if any of your listeners would like to get in touch with us, you can always just email us info at tweedlefarms.com we answer every single email and every single phone call where we are really here to help at all times and really just try to uh, communicate as much knowledge as we can in a lot of cases if you call us you you will actually talk to me as well so if you want to talk to me give me a call great well thanks for taking the time again and uh, we'll keep an eye on you and uh, maybe we'll we'll have you back on uh, in a year or two and see what the landscape looks like then beautiful it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you and i really appreciate you having me on thank you so much and thank you for doing what you do you know educating people is a really important thing especially within cannabis thank you so much take care you've been listening to let's talk about weed the cannaboomers podcast with thomas J. for more on medicinal cannabis for baby boomers visit us at cannaboomers.com